The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Well, would you like to grab your Bibles out if you've got them this morning? Uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 10 today, the last in our Faith Foundation series. And uh, our main subject today is this whole subject of mission. So it fits in really, really well with, uh, with just prayer for GIA today. Uh, and again, you know, uh, I would like to say that I planned that. You know, I had that all, you know, sort of all worked out in my head, but not, not at all. Just a wonderful uh, work of the Spirit of God there, just bringing it all together. Luke chapter 10, we're going to be reading the first 12 verses, 1 through to 12. And if you haven't got uh, a Bible, then you can just follow along with us on the screen. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not... It will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the labourer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. Now, right now, uh, around uh, our country, in farms around our, around our country, there is a, a rich and ripe harvest ready to be picked. Did you know that? Yes, farms all across Australia. But the problem is, due to COVID, that there are very, very few people to pick those crops. It's, uh, you know, it's such a, a sad thing. You know, there's a shortage of labourers. Uh, usually these labourers are filled by overseas backpackers and, and migrant workers who come in and work on these farms over a period of time until all the harvests are gathered. And, of course, because they're not available and we don't, aren't able to raise up enough workers here in our own country, isn't that a shame that we can't even do that? Millions of dollars of crops are at risk of, of, of perishing on the vine. And it'd be such a terrible waste, wouldn't it, to see all this perfectly good uh, fruit and veggies and that sort of thing to just to, to wither away and to be left there on the tree or in the field to rot away. Not to mention, you know, the, uh, you know this is perfectly good produce that would feed, you know, people not only in this country but people right around the world that we send these pro- this sort of produce to. Such a terrible waste of perfectly good things. Not to mention, of course, 
the financial and emotional impact it has on the farmers and their families who uh, you know, have put so much into you know, getting this uh, crop and everything all ready, have invested money and time and effort and blood, sweat and tears into these places for it just to sort of rot away and then not, not to get the, uh, the income from the harvest. Well, as awful as that situation is, it pales into comparison when we consider the words of Jesus that we find, particularly in this passage in Luke 10 this morning, because it also speaks of a plentiful harvest, a plentiful harvest and a shortage of labourers to reap it. Of course, the difference here is that Jesus is speaking about the lives of people. You don't need me to tell you that. You know, people's eternal destiny is on the line. People's eternal destiny is on the line. And there are not enough willing followers of Jesus today to take the message of the gospel to our world so that people can hear it, so that people can respond to the message of salvation in Jesus Christ and find eternal life and hope in him. There are not enough people and not enough Christians to do that. How sad is that? You know, in summing up his mission, Jesus said that the reason that he came into this world was this. He says, I came to seek and to save who? The lost. Those who are separated from God. Jesus you know, if, he had, if there was a mission statement, like you know, we have mission statements and vision statements for churches, if there was a mission statement that Jesus had for his, for his earthly ministry here, it was that, to seek and to save those who are lost. And if we, as Jesus' if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, then surely that would mean we should be about the mission that he was about, shouldn't it? Yeah, a disciple. That word disciple actually means a learner or apprentice, if you like. We are apprentices of the master Jesus, following in his footsteps, becoming more and more like him, not only in, in our outward you know, behavior and that sort of thing, but in our heart for the lost in our world today. So if you're looking for that uh, big idea this morning, it is this. Every disciple of Jesus is called to participate in his mission of seeing the lost saved or saving souls, if you like. Every disciple of Jesus is called to participate in his mission of saving souls. In fact, you know, we can go so far as to say that we cannot be a truly genuine and mature, and I would I say even obedient disciple of Jesus unless we are engaged in that mission. Mm, something to think about, isn't it? We cannot be a genuine and mature follower of Jesus unless we are truly engaged in this mission. It is an essential aspect of our faith, an essential one. This passage highlights several important things that we need to keep in mind when it comes to, this, to our involvement in the mission of Jesus Christ. And the first we find in the, first, in the, opening, verse, uh, the, the opening two verses, it is this, that Jesus prioritised mission in the life of his followers. 
Jesus prioritized mission in the life of his followers. Look at verse 1. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In verse 1, we see that Jesus appointed his followers. He appointed his disciples to go and announce his coming to those who were around about them, in the local towns and villages of where they lived. Jesus is on, the, on his, he's been ministering uh, there in the, in the northern part of Israel, in the regions of Galilee. And now Jesus, there's a, there's a, a, a very um, significant change in Luke's gospel at uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, where Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. He knows that now he is, the time is running out. He is heading to the cross and he's probably got less than a year left in his earthly ministry. And so he knows that the time is of the essence. He's heading towards Jerusalem and he's got, his, he's got this group of people that are following him as, as his disciples. And he says to them, I want you to go into the towns and villages that I'm going to come to as I work my way towards Jerusalem. And I want you to go and announce that the kingdom of God has come near. That God's kingdom is coming See, in appointing these, these 72 disciples, and some of your Bibles may say 72, others may say 70, and there's, honestly, there's a whole lot of discrepancy as to whether or not it's 72 or 70, but does it really matter? All right? I mean, some people could say, yeah, well, the 70 represents the, you know, the, the number of, of nations represented in Genesis chapter 10 that speaks of all the nations of the world and that Jesus' mission is for all nations. It can say that. It can also, uh, you can also look at it in re- regards to the, um, the number of, of elders that Moses appointed. And so Jesus is the new Moses, and these are, his, these are his people to help with the ministry and that sort of stuff. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter whether you've got 72 or 70. The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus saw that there was a need for people to hear about the kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God was coming near to them. And so in that we see, again, Jesus' heart for the lost. Jesus saw the urgency and he said, I want you to go. Go into these places and proclaim that God's kingdom has come near. In this we see the, the compassion the compassionate heart of Jesus. And time and time again through the Gospels, we see this compassionate heart of Jesus for the people around about him in all these different contexts. But particularly we see it in terms of those people who are lost, who are separated from God, who are on this path to eternal destruction. In Matthew 9.36, it says, "When, when, when Jesus saw the crowds... He saw the crowds around about him. It says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I wonder as we look at the people around about us, as we look at the people in our neighbourhoods, as we look in the people in our workplaces and in our community, the places we go to, do we look on those people with the same kind of compassion that Jesus sees them in? That kind of compassion where Jesus says, if you don't hear this message and have a chance to respond to it, then you are going to eternal destruction. 
When I talk about destruction, I don't mean a complete obliteration. I mean a destruction where, where people are separated from God forever. Jesus speaks about the fact that those who are shut out from the kingdom of God, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, eternal torment for those people. And Jesus is moved in, his, in, the, in, in the pits of his, of his stomach. And I wonder whether or not we ourselves also are moved in such a way Or do we just sort of look upon the people around about us and think, oh, well, your choice. I know that I don't look on people like that as much as I should do. But folks, if we are truly going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, then we need to be moved with that kind of compassion for the lost that Jesus was. We need to see the people around about us and we need to see the eternal significance of their choices. You know, when Paul speaks about, and we'll come to it in a minute in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, Jesus, Paul speaks about the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ as his disciples. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, he says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And he goes on to say, We therefore implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you, we beg you, please be reconciled to Jesus. Know the importance of that it is to know him and, be, um, and, and be, um, be people who see our, our, our state before God, that we, you know, in our sin, are condemned before him, that we are objects of his wrath, but that God in his love sent Jesus to die in our place for our sin there on the cross, in order to reconcile people to himself, in order to bring people to himself. Jesus sees the desperate need and his desire is that there be more of his followers who are sent out to proclaim the good news of his coming kingdom. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He deliberately carries, he deliberately, sorry, commissions his followers to carry out his commands and he expects them to do so. It's interesting, you know, that that these words of Jesus come immediately after his teaching about the costs of being his disciple in Luke 9, 57 to 62. And in those verses, you can just go back and read through them if you like. Just says Jesus calls people to follow him, but at the same time makes clear that in doing this, in actually following him, that they must make him and his mission their priority. In appointing and sending out his followers, as I said, Jesus is making them his ambassadors to go before him into the towns and villages to announce that Jesus the Messiah is coming. And folks, there is no different, the, the, the message hasn't changed. The message is still the same for us today, that we are to go and announce that Jesus is indeed, he's, he's come as Savior, but next time he's coming as judge. And we need to call people to repent and believe in Jesus. 
know, throughout history, there have been men and women of God who have taken this calling to mission incredibly seriously. You know, we think of, we, we hear names, you know, in, uh, in, in church circles, in Christian circles, names like William Carey and, and Amy Carmichael, who took the message of, of the gospel to India. We hear of names like Adoniram Judson, who went to Burma, and of Mary Slessor, who went to Africa, in Nigeria particularly. We hear names like Hudson Taylor and C.T. Studd and Gladys Aylward, who went and took the message of Jesus to China. And we, and we think of you know, people like Jim Elliott more recently, who, uh, who along with you know, three of his friends or four of his friends, went to South America. And we hear of Graham and Gladys Staines, who took the message to India, and Graham and his sons were brutally murdered there by Hindus, by militant Hindus there in that country. You might be familiar with the name of Tim and Mel Downs. Some of you know them pretty well, who have gone to Africa. They spent the last 13 years of their life raising their children from babes there in that country in Malawi to take the message of the gospel to the Yao people. You know, we've got people whom we support as a church, people like Luke and Bell Harlan, who themselves have got a very, very young family who are now in this isolated village out there in the middle of the jungles of Thailand taking the message of the gospel of Jesus to these people who would not hear that ordinarily. And we think, well, you know, that's... For, for many of us, they're just names. And we think we could never be like them. But folks, these people weren't extraordinary people in terms of you know, the gifts and abilities and that sort of thing. The thing that made them extraordinary was the fact that they just made themselves available for Jesus to use, and Jesus made them extraordinary. And Jesus has used people like this you know, in their lives to actually take the message of the gospel, and there are people today who are following Jesus because of their willingness to go. They were, just, they were just willing to, to say to Jesus, Lord, we're just going to lay everything of our lives down for you and we're just going to be your ambassadors wherever you want to send us. And we're just going to be faithful in that. And I guarantee that these people went into those places incredibly fearful, not knowing what, was, you know, what, what to expect, not knowing whether or not you know, they were going to get a, a good welcome or a hostile welcome. They went into these places. I'm sure they went into these places feeling incredibly unprepared and, 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 and incredibly out of their comfort zone and right out of their depth. But yet God used these people to change the world in these people's lives. And that's what God wants to do through you and me today. He actually wants to change. He wants to use us to bring the life-saving message of Jesus into the lives of those people around about us so their lives are completely changed and transformed and they are given hope and they are given you know, joy and eternal life in Jesus Christ. One of the things that's um, been... Uh, I was encouraged by uh, just just recently was uh, you know the um, just a, a church that sort of basically sort of got as their catch cry had it as their catch cry this year be part of someone's story in sharing your faith be part of someone's story you know Paul says you know Apollos uh, planted and, and and I watered and that sort of thing you know in sharing sharing the gospel we might not you know we might just be one chain in the link of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, of a person coming to faith in Jesus. But, you know, it's not a chain unless all the links are linked together, are they? 
If there's a break in the chain, then everything just falls to pieces. You know, folks, we can be that link that Jesus wants to use in that chain of, of story of bringing a person to faith in him. You know, and, and wouldn't it be wonderful for us to be able to, to look back and see, wow, you know what, when that person comes to faith, to be a part of that story of them coming to faith. What an amazing thing to know that just your availability, how Jesus uses you to actually bring such an impact in a person's life that they come to a saving faith in Christ and their eternal destiny, therefore, is secure forever and ever. Well, yeah, forever and ever because it wouldn't be eternal otherwise, would it? Be part of someone's story. These people surrendered themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus. And you know, enlisting his followers in mission is Jesus' ordained means by which salvation is made known to people lost in spiritual darkness. Does Jesus need us? Well, no, he doesn't. Jesus can do anything he chooses. In fact, you know, where countries in, in countries that are close to the gospel, even now, Jesus is actually you know bringing people to faith through dreams and visions and, and wonderful sort of ways like that. But ultimately, God, you know, Jesus's main strategy for mission is to send His people out, you and me, to go out and just proclaim the life-changing message of Jesus Christ and to live it out in our lives. So that people can see that Jesus indeed does make a difference. Romans ten fourteen to 15 says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom, have they, whom they have never heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach Good news. Folks, Jesus might have someone in your life right now. And in fact, I'm sure he has. He might, he, might have, he might have even more than one person in your life right now whom he has placed in your life. He has brought you into contact with that person because his plan is for you to be able to share that message of Jesus with that person for them to come to faith in him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before Jesus' throne there, when we finally get to heaven, we stand before the throne of Christ. I don't want to stand before him and say to him, yeah, Lord, I saw those people, but I couldn't be bothered or I was too scared. I want to be able to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, I tried to be as available as I could to you, as faithful as I could in the mission that you called me to. I think I've shared with you this before, but uh, one of the things that's, that has stuck with me for, for many years, I saw this actually when I first came to faith in Christ. It was a, a group at that stage who were going around churches doing sort of like dramas and that sort of thing. And there was one particular drama of these two young people, and it's not necessarily like theologically kind of, you know, sort of... Um, accurate but it, but it paints the right picture and let me put it this way it's these two people and they and they, they and they die and they die at the same time and they're sort of both uh, they find themselves both kind of like at this crossroads 
and there's one road that, that kind of leads to the gates of heaven and there's another road that leads to the gates of hell. And these two, two people come to, to this point and they're talking about you know, their lives and, and the fact that they are now their lives are over. And, uh, and then they've got to part ways and one person sort of starts to go towards the gates of heaven and, uh, and this other person says, are you coming? And they say, well, actually, no, I can't. Because I never actually accepted Jesus as my saviour in, you know, in, in, when I was alive. And they turn to this, to this person who's going to the gates of heaven and they say, you know, you were such a big part of my life and yet you never shared this news with me. You never took the time or the opportunity to share this news with me. Why? Why didn't you tell me? And they part ways. And that person goes to the eternal torment of hell. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? Will there be people in our lives who will say to us, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you take the time to tell me? Well, in keeping that in mind, that Jesus indeed prioritised mission in the life of his followers, we see that that mission is ultimately God's mission and that we ourselves need to depend upon him as we go about it. We see that in the next few verses, reading from the latter half of verse 2, where it says, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. And it goes on to say, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the labourer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Folks, these verses make clear that God himself is the Lord of the harvest and that we must be praying earnestly about these people who are there in our lives and in our communities, who have not yet heard or who have not responded to the message of the gospel. We need to pray that God will send out labourers and that we ourselves will be those very labourers that we pray for to be sent out into the harvest field. This harvest field, of course, is the world and we're sent out into it to call people to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. But no matter how skilled we are at that, no matter how accomplished we are at that, ultimately it is a spiritual work of God that will actually work in a person's heart to convict them of their need to put their faith and trust in Christ and to repent of their sins. You know, the encouraging aspect that I find in these words, in this passage, is that God already has made clear that we should expect a harvest. That we should expect a harvest. He said the harvest is plentiful. And we can be assured that when the gospel is preached faithfully, it will indeed result in people coming to faith. Now, it may mean that we might toil away all our lives. We may pray fervently and expectantly 
And yet we may never actually see a person actually get over the line, so to speak, in our lives. That may, in fact, that may be the case for us. But does that mean that we don't try? No. Remember the links in the chain. You may only have a small part to play. It may be another person who you know, may bring that person to faith. That person may never come to faith. But that's not the issue here. here. The issue is, that are we faithful in the mission to what Christ has called us to? And in being faithful, it means that we need to be praying fervently. In fact, the word here is used that we are to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. You know, God is in, you know, at work in our world today. He's bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, even now in parts of the world, there's a great movement of God's spirit causing many to believe in Jesus. Did you know that the two countries in the world right now where the gospel is growing the quickest, the fastest, is Iran and Afghanistan? Did you know that? Nearly 20% growth they are seeing in people coming to a faith in Jesus Christ right now in Iran and Afghanistan. Isn't that amazing? Even in countries like North Korea and parts of Africa, there is around 10% annual growth rate in people coming to faith in those countries. Do you know what it is in Australia? Less than 1%. Less than 1%. In the UK, it's zero. In New Zealand, it's less than half a percent. Staggering, isn't it? Yet you know where the vast majority of Christian resources are actually aimed at? The places where people have already heard the gospel. 90, I think it's 96% of, of, res- of Christian resources are actually, are actually um, focused on those places where the people have got incredible access to the gospel. Two million people, two, sorry, two billion people in our world today, two billion people have got less than 1% of Christian resources targeted in taking the gospel to them. Two billion people, less than 1% of all Christian resources in the world are targeted at that group. You know, if we are to see more people engaged in mission for Jesus as well as seeing people come to faith in Christ then we need to make prayer for mission a bigger priority. We need to be praying for unsafe friends, folks. We need to be praying for a more compassionate heart for the lost. We need to be praying for a deeper obedience to Christ, a boldness and a courage to step out of faith in, in faith in Christ. But in all of this, we need to depend upon God for his provision in the mission when it comes to his gospel being proclaimed. It's a scary mission, as Jesus says here. We're being sent out as lambs amongst wolves. Lambs amongst wolves. We're certain to face opposition. Guaranteed to face opposition. We're guaranteed to face threat. And in some cases, in some countries, even mortal danger. And we're going to need boldness. We're going to need courage. But ultimately, we're going to need to be willing to just to say to Jesus, 
Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Jesus says that they were not to carry with them a money bag or knapsack or spare pair of sandals. Because to take these things meant that they would be self-sufficient, that they could put their confidence and their trust and their hope in what they had. Instead, Jesus wanted them to believe that he would supply their needs and that they would live in such a way as they were dependent upon God to meet their needs. Now, when it comes to being on mission with God we can often put our hope and our confidence in our own resources and abilities. You know, our financial security. And we want to make sure we've got, you know, all the, all the financial backing and security all sort of there in place before we're ready to step out. And particularly for, you know, churches can be like this as well in the mission. You know, we want to make sure that we shore up our financial position and make sure that we're going to be okay. And look, you know, it's, it's good to be responsible with the finances that, that we have but the reality is, is where is our trust? Is our trust in our bank balance or is our trust in Christ? You know, we can sometimes put, you know, our hope and our confidence in our Bible knowledge and in our evangelistic skills and, and tools that we have. You know, we can often put confidence in, our, in human wisdom, you know, human wisdom to be able to win arguments and that sort of stuff with people we, that, we, that we converse with. In fact, as I said, these things are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but if they become the things that we put our confidence and our hope and trust in, then we're not trusting Jesus. And the thing is, when we start to put our hope and our trust in those kind of things, what happens is that we have a tendency then not to actually go and get engaged in the mission until we've got all these kind of things in place, until we think we've got enough Bible knowledge, until we think we're, we're, we're trained enough evangelistically and things like that. It's interesting, in the Bible, he, Jesus, now when he went spoke to that woman, you know the woman at the well in John chapter 4? What evangelistic training did she get? What evangelistic training did Jesus give her? Yet when she went back to her village and she told them about Jesus, we're told that there was a whole, people in, a whole lot of people in that village who came to faith in Christ. It was just through her being available and just going back and said, hey, listen, come and see a guy who, who changed and transformed my life. You know, the, 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 the Gerasene demoniac, I think Gerasene, I think it is, you know, here is Jesus. He goes to this place called the Gerasenes, and he comes to this place, and there's this this guy who's possessed by you know all these evil spirits. And Jesus heals him. He casts out the, the demons, and this man is kind of just you know he's he's left in his right mind, and he's and he's healed and, and, and transformed. And you know, Jesus goes to get back in the boat with his disciples, and the guy says, "Hey, can I come with you?" And Jesus says, "No, you go back and tell people what's happened, the change that has come over your life." Again, where was this guy's evangelistic training? None whatsoever. And yet he went back into his village. And, 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 and we, we know that, you know, that through that, through, you know, through that, in that area, there was, a, there was a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. 
Folks, we sometimes put too much emphasis on, you know, on getting knowledge and all that sort of stuff. And although that can be helpful, ultimately, Jesus wants us just to step out in faith and trust him. And you know what? When we do that and we see Jesus at work, it, I tell you, it is the most faith-building experience that you could ever have in your life. To see Jesus use you in that kind of capacity. It's kind of like that walking on water experience of Peter. But you know, in order to walk on water, what have you got to do first? You've got to get out of the boat. Yeah, you've got to get out of the boat. Let's pray that Jesus will help us all to get out of the boats of our own resources and our own abilities and get out there and just trust him, look to him and see what he'll do through people who are just available for him to use. Last point, and I'll do this very, very quickly, it's this. It's a very serious thing to reject the message of Jesus. We see that in verses 10 to 12. It goes on to say this. He says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Jesus instructs his followers that if the message they proclaim in his name is not heeded by the people that they bring it to, then they are to pronounce Jesus' impending judgment upon them. Don't beat around the bush, folks. Just tell it as it is. Wiping the dust of their feet was a a tangible demonstration, if you like, of of how God will deal with people at his final judgment. If people reject him, he also will reject them and not allow them into his eternal kingdom. They will be shut outside, where I said before, where in Luke chapter 13, verse 28, Jesus says, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. In other words, suffering, despair, anguish, total, total, Total loss of hope. This message that Jesus has called us to proclaim is the greatest and most important news that anyone has ever had the privilege of being able to proclaim in this world. You know, we turn on our, new, we turn on our TVs at the end of the day at 6 o'clock and we hear the news and that sort of stuff. And there's, I don't know about you, but I get so depressed when I watch that. But we ourselves have got the message of hope, of forgiveness, of life eternal in Jesus Christ. The most significant message that anyone could ever hear in their lives. And Jesus has given it to us. He's given it to you and me. Do you believe that? So, and Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Will you be that laborer? Truly, will you be that laborer for Jesus today? Will you commit to being that laborer for Jesus in the harvest fields to which he's called us? to take the message of Christ to the lost. Yes, it'll be scary. We go out as lambs amongst wolves. 
and we'll be fearful. And sometimes we may recoil back and not take those, those opportunities. But I pray that more and more we'll be, taking those, so we'll be taking those opportunities more and more, not less and less. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you now. and We, we just want to thank you so much for the, the privilege that you have given us in helping us to, to know first and foremost that, that, uh, that, uh, that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of all. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the, the life-saving message of the gospel that has, that has brought us to saving faith in Christ. And the Lord, that we can count ourselves as children of God, as citizens of your kingdom. But Lord, like you have said, there are so many people out there yet to hear that message, yet to respond to Jesus Christ. And Lord, you've called us as your servants to go and proclaim the message of Jesus to them. Lord, will you help us to do that? Give us courage. Give us boldness. Lord, but ultimately help us to be looking to you, the Lord of the harvest. Lord, to, to not only equip us, but to go before us in convicting hearts. And Lord, may we see a harvest of souls for you here, particularly in this local area of Marumba Downs and, and, and Kalanga and Griffin and North Lakes and, and, and the surrounds. Lord, we pray that there would be a harvest of souls for you in this, in this community. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.